Hello and welcome to our new podcast series, the RICS World Built Environments Insights. I'm Tim Smith, the Global Director of the World Built Environment Forum, and over the next weeks and months, we'll be speaking to experts across urbanisation, digital transformation, the natural environments and markets and geopolitics to take a closer look and make sense of these megatrends which will shape the world for decades to come. Whilst also looking at how the built environment is leading and can continue to lead the way in building a more sustainable and equitable future for all. In our first episode, our Director of Thought Leadership, Ken Creighton, spoke to the RICS President, Tim Neal. In this wide-ranging conversation, they touched on Tim's career journey to date, how the sector can and should respond to the current crisis, and importantly, the role of built and natural environment professionals around the globe in building a truly sustainable future. Hello, this is Ken Creighton, Director of Thought Leadership at RICS, and I'm here with Tim Neal, the President of RICS. Welcome, Tim. Hey, Ken. Great to be here. Thanks, Thanks for recording this this podcast. Pleasure. So, Tim, just to start out, how, how are you? How are you and the family during these interesting times? Well, thank you for asking. I'm I'm very well, actually. Very lucky. You know, I'm in, in lockdown at home with a house full. I've got three kids who are all in their late teens, early 20s who have come back from uni, finished exams or, or working with other halves and so for me, it's the opposite of isolation, actually. I'm, I'm surrounded and uh, my principal job is keeping everyone fed and watered and looked after, actually, and able to access enough broadband to carry on doing what they need to do. So, But we're all safe and well, thank you. Good, good. Well, I hope as a silver lining, families like yours can look back on this time fondly at, at the family unit level. Uh, well, a, do you know, I, th- I, th- I think it will actually be a, a special time we've all become increasingly aware that as it's rolled on that it's it's unique and this time spent together has felt quite special it's had its ups and downs for sure and I know the first few weeks we kept feeling like we were on holiday and the temptation it felt like Christmas day all the time with big meals and right. lots of alcohol but <laughs> it's 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 eased, eased back a bit now and, and new patterns keep emerging new rhythms emerge I, I wasn't reminded of the Big Brother house the other day because <laughs> everyone needs to find their own space to do their own thing, you know. But, yeah, yeah. I, I think as a society, we're now in the phase of trying to lose all the weight that we gained during all those Christmas repeated Christmas days we had at the beginning. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. A refocus on health and wellness, yeah. Yeah. Well, so we know other than feeding and watering your family, um, l- l- can you just give us sort of a quick potted history of your professional career up into becoming president of RICS? Well, sure. Thank you. Thanks for asking. You know, I've been blessed with a very fortunate career journey that's been adventurous and interesting and really diverse and varied. You know, I I left school at 16, joined a chartered surveying practice in Banbury in Oxfordshire, and they put me through ONCHND. I did the external RICS exams at College of State Management, as it was then, and uh, I've worked in private practice, the public sector, um, worked in the Shetland Islands for a while as a programme manager for education projects, met my wife there, moved to London with E.C. Harris, and then had a fabulous time creating new services, working with clients across multiple sectors, became an equity partner, went from sort of project and service delivery into 
business and leadership development in the built environment that led to mergers with Arcadis and um, being CEO of the UK region, a fully integrated four business line business at the time. That then led to uh, doing some business planning work. I was asked to become the director, the global director of the building's business line, which was one of their four business lines, which was very exciting. Five propositions, all the services around the whole asset lifecycle, design engineering, all the surveying disciplines, um, over a billion of turnover, five core propositions, and really, really trying to help bring that business together to um, deliver its mission, which was to be the client's leading built asset solution provider. And that, that was a great, great fun role. Did that for nearly five years. And then, then Arcadis asked me to become the president and CEO of their architectural design consultancy, Calisonati KL, uh, which was a fabulous opportunity to leave one of the top four creative design consultancies in the world and work very closely with wonderful creative people, fabulous designers. And uh, and then, I, you know, I did that for nearly three years, stepped away from that really to focus on family. I've got elderly parents, a disabled brother, and their lives were getting much more difficult and complex. And I've got a, a wife who's partially sighted, registered blind, and her parents were needing care homes and things and and life was too busy and i had my rcs role getting busier and busier and i decided to step back and focus on getting the balance right with those two things so i did right. those things properly. right it, it's an amazing career journey i i remember i think it was in shanghai i could be wrong when you gave your speech as a candidate for senior vice president you know That's back in the wrong. day when we actually did travel like that and yeah. and just a, re a reflection on that. I I remember I was chatting to some people in the room at the time who didn't know you, and you know you were the CEO at Arcadis at the time, and and you were the corporate guy, and or you kind of gave that on paper impression. And I, I remember the first thing out of your mouth was, "I left school at 16," but and people were like, "Huh?" And and there was a kind of a lean forward at that moment, like, "Wow, this guy's a bit more interesting than we thought." And kind of what a <laughs> career journey. And I, it, it 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 strikes me that you um, would be a, just a, a fantastic um, as well as role model mentor to people. I, do you do a lot of mentoring? Is that well, something that I you've... I have done actually a lot within all of my sort of leadership roles actually I still do some a little bit now get and I do get asked I was asked just the other week to mentor people I really enjoy that I think one of the thrills of my career Ken has been working with fabulous people alongside fabulous people and having the privilege and honor to lead them and and face into change and challenge and opportunity as teams together and you know that when I think about I look back on career so far I just I just see faces and people and <laughs> fun yeah. and laughter and great times, you know, and, and incredible projects and challenges and hurdles. But, you know, big challenges, but people, people are key. Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm not surprised to hear that. I think that really, really comes through. And speaking of people, so in the built environment now we have, um, you know, we're recording this in just the first week in, of June 2020. And you know we're well into this this crisis of you know health and financial crisis, and um, what are the key issues that built environment professionals are are thinking? What are they dealing with now? 
well, they're, they're facing into huge challenges um, with a great deal of resilience, actually. Uh, uh, I think, you know, the pressure that's on on professionals and businesses, large ones and small ones, is intense as they seek to, you know, work hand on hand in glove with their clients as they're tackling the impact on their own business environments of, of the COVID crisis. So everyone's facing both the personal threat and challenge, but also the business and professional uh, change challenge of reduced workloads, potential furloughing, you know, financial stress and pressure of being business leaders and trying to find ways of continuing to deliver and with confidence and trust, great professional services. So yeah. really, really intense time for everyone. Yeah. Now, I wonder, I, I, when I think of previous crises or, or people I've met that have gone through the Great Depression, or, or th- there seems to be traits with those generations that they carry for the rest of their lives, right? I mean, mm. I, I remember my grandparents you know, they always had staples in the pantry, you know, and, and they, they always carried cash in their wallet. I mean, it was just sort yeah. of like this lasting. I wonder when you think about built environments and the built environment professionals, and as you describe what we're going through now, do you think there'll be certain traits that will carry through, like, like real learnings that are being seared into the way professionals will act in the future? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I, I I'm sure there will be, and we've got to look to the positive ones because I suspect there will be some scars, um, but there'll be some positive learnings. And I think actually one of them is, that, you know, at a, at a home and domestic level, I think people are falling in love with their their homes and their families, and and realise the importance of a safe, secure, and quality environment. So that's that's a that's not a bad thing, right? That's They're also point. learning the. the the ability and agility to work flexibly and remotely and in different ways and that's that's really accelerated the you know digital transformation and workplace transformation that everyone's been talking about and going on different journeys over time i think that's that's definitely accepted adopted and a new normal new ways of communicating i think as well have, have come yeah. through i would say that people will i don't know maybe they will make a link to sustainable futures again i think the desire to be self-reliant and to look after one's own family and do so in a good way is closely linked to um community and that that localism that people have all enjoyed i think of you know self-supporting networks that exist beyond your local supermarkets and and those, those sort of more consumerist type ways of behaving that we would all got used to so i think yeah communities is key it's a real positive point. I wonder if we will sort of relearn or have a new stress to the purpose of our built environment when it comes to things like health or, as you say, community, safety. And we've always known that, right? We've always talked about how the built environment, its purpose is very human. But I guess this crisis really puts that into focus, doesn't it? It really makes it real. I think it really does. You know, the basics have become very, very important. And and several people I've spoken to have said that they've reflected after, what are we, eight, ten weeks or so, that actually it felt like we were in an unsustainable pattern of working professionally, personally, physically, and that, you know, things things were 
going to have to reach the end of a cycle and reset and start again. And maybe that's what we're facing into. And and I, I personally link it to a need for a much more sustainable future. I'm excited about that because I do think yes. that, you know, our our institution, 152 years old, you know, was designed to deliver or has a duty to deliver for public advantage. Surveyors must act for public advantage. I see such a strong connection from acting for public advantage, delivering social value, which must mean we are, you know, doing all of our work in the built environment in a sustainable way, because without a sustainable planet, there is going to be no society. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it does link together very strongly. And I, I hope others can make that connection because I think it's quite an exciting way to look at it. Yeah. Well, as we look forward to the future, I mean, you were talking before about, you know, mentoring and, you know, the people that have been important in your professional life and everything. As we think about the future of the built environment and professionalism in the built environment, you know, what's it going to be like? Or, or like, what advice would you give? There might be people listening to this who are considering a career in chartered surveying or or trying to figure out what the rest of their career is going to be like. Yeah. I wonder what what thoughts you have about what the future will be coming out of this for professionals. I think there's there's loads of opportunity in change, uh, and that's always been the case. And surveyors, in my experience, are, are very sort of smart, curious, interested, intelligent people who who are actually solution providers. They're very aware of clients needs and challenges they like to understand those and they like to help navigate a way through complex issues and for sure we're facing into lots of complex issues surveys are also very good at collaborating and working with others and you know the solutions that are required tomorrow are definitely going to come from combinations of um you know companies organizations suppliers skills disciplines professionals that are new and unique that have never come together before so i think we've got a great role to play in helping bring that together uh, and help find those solutions i think i think there will be you know if you think about technologies um the new space race the need to remove waste the you know the zero carbon net zero agenda these are all things that we've got to tackle we've We've got to apply new philosophies and principles and we've got to learn about them and adapt and alter and adjust and apply them, you know, whether it's circular economy principles, um, you know, the great work the RSS has supported with Arup around the Ellen MacArthur Foundation. I, I think there's some brilliant work there that is going to help define the new way of working for surveyors of the future. That's brilliant because all that is just so important. I mean, you know, there's this concept, you, you never want to waste a crisis right you you want to build back better you want to and and what you just laid out there would be is so positive and thinking about that one of the things that i think has been really troubling over the last few years is the um is is the reduction in the public's trust in corporations politicians experts institutions and i hope I hope that one of the things we're learning in this crisis is the importance of of expertise. I mean, you know, you know, we're following the epidemiologists and you know the public health officials, and and I hope we turn the corner where people can and, and professionals in the built environment can can come in and 
really play that role properly and earn the trust going forward. I, I really hope that's the case. Um, I, I do as well. And, you know, I think at the heart of our profession lies ethics, you know, professionalism and ethics go together. And for me, that's always been a very inspirational part of what drew me into this profession, the built environment. I was privileged to work with some fabulous role model professionals early on in my career and to witness some of the, you know, dilemmas that they faced into when clients might have been pushing for one thing and other parts of the deal were pushing for others. And they had to navigate those sort of dilemmas with a really good robust ethical framework to do the right thing mm. acting with integrity understanding who this is good for and who could be harmed and really getting to the truth of the matter and knowing what the rules are and and guiding th- decisions and choices through that and i yeah. think that's as important today as it's ever been it's probably more important i would like to think that you know people and professionals can really choose to focus on that because how to decide what's right and finding the courage to do it is is a key part of what makes a, a surveyor great i think it's such a good point and and it's it's so core to being a professional i know that with with a lot of the work that we do you you, you can like standard like you've been very involved with with standards such as you know costing infrastructure projects and so forth and there is a situation dealing with a client where if they have a good business reason to not follow a given technical standard, okay, fine. I mean, you know, they have a business need that might um, require something else to compare to a different market or whatever it is, if there's a good reason. But when you get into the kind of standards you're talking about, ethical standards, professional standards, they're totally non-negotiable, right? I mean, you know, an informed client that wants you to launder money. <laughs> That's right. You know, you know, it's not like, oh, okay, now that you, you know, it, it, it's, I mean, I, I kind of make it a joke, but it, but it's such a stark contrast, right? And so, and just totally understanding that that clear purpose to earn that public trust, to be professionals. I hope a crisis like this can really bring that uh, clarity. I, I, I think that's right. And, you know, people, I mentioned courage. For me, having the, you know, the designation MRICS, FRICS, that's a real indicator externally to people that um, this is a professional who understands how to act with integrity and does have a good sense of a moral compass and yeah. and can help guide you through it. But it also means, you know, guide you through tough negotiations or enable amazing things to happen locally, globally or whatever. But it also means that, you know, you're kind of a force to be reckoned with and and you're someone who's going to be prepared to say no or steer the client in a different direction and, and probably and on occasion, you, as we all know, you have to make tough choices around whether or yeah. not there's a client that you can continue to act for. So these things happen you know, often in in the lives of professionals, you know, whether it's doing valuation work and being trying to be influenced a certain way on a business valuation or a property valuation or, um, you know, just it's it's a really core part of how we create value for society, actually. And I think it's really good to speak openly and honestly about that and and be proud of how professionals act in those situations. Mm. So, um, Tim, as we as we start to wrap this up, I I wonder if you have any um, final thoughts you want to share about um, professionals or the profession. Well, uh, I think we're in 
we're in good shape. It is a, a fabulous career to pursue. I hope many more people choose to take it up. I think we're we're at one of those key points of evolution. I think chartered surveyors will become more uh, holistic in their skill set thinking. There'll be new competences added into our you know our toolkit because that's what evolving professionals have to do. I think, you know, looking at the carbon agenda, the waste agenda, the sustainability agenda, the health and wellness agenda for society, mm. particularly in urban environments, behavioural science, how people react and act and interact. I think we, you know, our collaboration skills, our teaming skills, these are all really important for the future. I think it, it's an exciting future. Um, it's good to have a focus to help uh, pull us through these what can seem quite dark and tough times. And for me, you know, a sustainable built environment, a net zero or zero carbon built environment is an entirely be, an entirely gainable future. Mm. I would love to think that all surveyors can choose to focus on and, and go after. Well said, well said. Tim Neal, president of RICS, thank you so much for your thoughts, for your time today. Ken, thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure talking.